morning we're in Philippians, the third chapter, and um, as you look at that, and you know, you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul uh, responsible, of course God's responsible for the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote a large majority of what we have in the New Testament, and without the Apostle Paul, we would be amiss on many of the things that, uh, that went on. Uh, but one thing I want us to, to get at this morning as we look into God's Word it is the reality that uh, Paul was a very educated individual. Paul was trained and grew up in what we would consider the church. He grew up in a very religious environment, a very churchy environment. He, was, uh, he confesses about himself, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, I was a Pharisee, a, a chief Pharisee. If you know in other places, he was trained by one of the greatest Pharisees of the day, teachers of the law. So he knew the law upside down, backwards, diagonally, inverted, 3D, 4D, whatever you want to say. He knew everything there was to know about the law. As a matter of fact, in, in Philippians, in this passage, it says that when it came to the law, he was really faultless. He was without fault because he knew everything there was to know about the right and wrong when it came to religion. And yet we know the story that Paul or Saul at the time, as he was traveling, he was an agent. He thought he was serving God. And as a servant of God, as a chief Pharisee, as a Hebrew of Hebrews, he wanted to stamp out the local group which had come to be known as Christians or people of the way. And his job was to make sure to rein them in. And so he, he, went on a, he went on a crusade, so to speak, we should say, to basically make sure that we stamped out this rogue of Judaism known as people of the way, which would later become the Christians that we celebrate, people that were followers of Jesus. And we know the story well that he embarked on this journey. And while he was on this journey, beaming light came down. He heard a voice. Uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And of course it was Jesus speaking to him. And as a result of that, we have both a salvation experience from Paul. And that salvation experience is also the, the, the hope and the call on his life. And so he becomes an ambassador of Christ. And so one of the things I want to suggest to us today as we look in the scriptures, clearly as outlined in Philippians, the third chapter, is that when you and I are committed to following Jesus, it's much more than having passion or intellect. I mean, we, we've equated a lot of things as, as good qualities to have. We say, gosh, that's an intelligent person. We, we love to applaud students at awards day. I know I've been to Elizabeth High School twice for their awards day, and they give all these awards. And there's two types of awards are given. The two types of awards are this. You get an award for being a great athlete, or you get an award for academics. Those are pretty much the two categories. And so we applaud that very much. And so if, if we're not careful, we'll carry over that into the context of the church, and we'll say, gosh, who are the greatest in the kingdom, the service of God? Who are the greatest servants of God? There are people who have the intellectual capacity to understand who God is, to understand more about His Word and become a student of God's Word and a student in discipleship as we take the yoke of Christ upon ourselves and we apply it to our walk and to our talk. But we are going to miss the mark completely if we equate following Jesus as merely having passion 
or intellect. If you look in verses 4 through 6, it says, If others uh, think that they have confidence to put in the flesh, I have more. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Which what? That made him kind of a part of the Jewish nation. That was the outward symbol of being a Jew. A boy would be circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Then he says, and I was also a part of the tribe of Benjamin, which gives his lineage. I mean, you can't get any more Jewish than going back to one of the original 12 tribes. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin. And then it says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, he was a leader of the Hebrew people. In regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. As for zeal, slash parentheses, passion. What does it say? As for zeal, slash passion, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, I was faultless. In other words, Paul was committed in doing what Paul was doing. And there's so many of us today that are committed doing what we are doing. We are committed to our jobs. We are committed and we're passionate about things in our family. We want to make sure that our children have a better life than what we experienced. And so we have decided that we're going to do A, B, and C, and D to make sure that all these issues become fulfilled in our family life or in our home life or in our work life. We have a plan. We have a professional plan. And sometimes in our professional work, our professional plan, there are curveballs that we get thrown and suddenly, you know, we realize, well, maybe it's not going to end the way I thought it was going to end. And here's what I'm going to say to you. You might as well accept the fact it's not going to end the way you and I ever think it's going to end. Our journey will never be exactly spelled out the way we anticipated. That's the joy of faith. If you look at the Apostle Paul, Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, very intellectual, had zeal and passion for persecuting the church, which he thought in doing so. He was doing God's bidding. And so he did all these things, but his life did not turn out the way he anticipated it to. He never imagined being blinded on the road to Damascus. He never imagined that what he was doing in his ordinary life as Saul was actually going against the very God that he was passionate about about serving. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, that based on the Apostle Paul's life and biography, it's possible to think that we're doing God's work, but in fact, we're doing more harm than good. Be careful what you commit to do. Make sure that you're called to do it, lest you find yourself in Paul's situation of doing things that actually brought more harm than good. Following Jesus is much more than having passion or knowledge or intellect. Paul was very passionate. He was committed to his work as many of us are. Paul was full of intellect. He was a religious person. He knew everything about God. And there's so many in the parameters and the confines of the church, in the neighborhood of the church, in the setting of the church. We know a lot about God. We sing about God every Sunday. We pray and our words surround and talk about God. But it's not about the words we have about God. It's not about the songs that we sing about God. It's about do we know Him? Don't sing about God, sing to God. Don't have your life uh, circumventing around God. Don't have your life orbiting around God. Have your life immersed in the person of who God is. Paul was busy doing. Paul was not busy being. And that is a critical, critical aspect of the follower of Jesus. It's not about doing, it's about being the person that God has called us to be in Christ. He was well versed in what to do and in what not to do, as many of us are. But knowing what to do and what not to do doesn't mean that we are actually 
in a consistent, constant relationship with the Almighty who created us for far more than we could ask or imagine. Following Jesus is much more than having passion or intellect. Secondly, everything pales in comparison to knowing Christ. If you look in verse 7 of the passage, Paul says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul considered everything a loss in comparison to knowing Jesus. In other words, knowing Jesus Christ was more important than anything that mattered to Paul. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was very intellectual. He was very passionate. How do I know that? Most of the New Testament was written by him or of a secretary that he spoke to. Most of the New Testament, listen, in a world in which a lot of people did not know how to read and write, Paul knew it all. He would be teaching uh, in the Ph.D. program in Jerusalem, if you would have it today. He was very knowledgeable. And as, as high clout as he had arrived at, as much as he was respected in his religious circles, as much as he was respected as a citizen of the Roman Empire, he considered all of that, as he later goes on, loss, but later he says, I consider that garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. I consider everything that I have built my earthly kingdom of, this is what Paul is saying, garbage compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing him. Could we say the same thing this morning? Could we say that we value knowing Christ more than anything else that we put value upon? Can we say that we love Christ, that we are committed to Christ more than we're committed to the time that we spend on our iPhone, Android, or whatnot? Can we say that knowing Christ is more important to us than any of the awards we might receive, any of the appreciation or applause that we might gather from people around us, our peers, our co-workers, our employer, or whatever? Are we willing to say, are we willing to put it all on the line and say, I consider all of this garbage for the surpassing knowledge of simply knowing Christ. Not serving him, just knowing him. Paul considered everything a loss. Because when Paul compared Christ, when you put Christ in the equation, everything else is rendered absolutely worthless. Everything that we value. And we're in a society, we're in a nation, we're in a culture. We value things and not people. We use people and value things rather than valuing people and using things. We put great, great emphasis on things. How do I know that? Well, my email lights up every day about new sales, new opportunities. Wanna, anybody know what's happening this week? You technology people, what happens this week? Anybody know? What comes out this week? Yeah, uh, okay, yep, yeah, uh-huh, yep, laptop. And, and something grand is happening at, at a store this week, the unleashing of the new technology of Apple. And what's Apple releasing this week? The iPad Pro. Oh, wow. It wasn't good enough just to have an iPad. We now have to have a little subliminal message. Pro, you want to be a pro. You're going to go out and you're going to, 
buy this. And I, I, I mean, listen, listen, and some of you say, oh, I don't care about the iPad. You know what? Maybe that's not the apple to your eye, but what is? What is the apple to your eye? What is the thing that you admire that you're willing to sacrifice things for in order to gain them? Paul was never willing to sacrifice anything for something that would cost him nothing. He was willing to sacrifice everything for the one who gave everything for him. That's why he says, I look at all these things, all these gadgets, all my friends, all my relationships, all my stature, and it is but garbage. It is nothing compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ. Paul was lost before Jesus and in the process of searching and, and being passionate about God, uh, being passionate about who he was serving, he was found. He went from being lost uh, to the person that he was into being found by the person of Jesus Christ. All, listen, all that matters of Jesus to him, all that matters to Paul is making Jesus known. Is knowing him and making him known. How do I know that? Because Paul didn't just preach about it. Paul was a missionary. Paul was a pastor. Paul was a mentor. Paul was a missionary. He went on four, at least four missionary journeys. He shipwrecked twice. He was beaten, flogged. And if you go to Rome today, there is a church outside the city gates of Rome. If you, never, if you ever get a chance, you need to go there. It's called uh, Paul Outside the Walls, basically. It's a church, and in that church you can go and you can see historically what they consider are the very chains that held the Apostle Paul in place before he was taken and executed in the city of Rome. Now, whether they're real or not is immaterial to me, but I'm telling you what, it's a moving experience, and I can tell you this, those chains are a lot older than you and I are, okay? So when I look at that, and I look, look, this, this is a person who had it all going for him, and he surrenders it all for the sake of Christ. All that mattered to him was Jesus. Our purpose, our value, our call, our salvation, it comes from the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from watching Oprah. It doesn't come from watching Dr. Phil. It doesn't come by attending youth meetings and talking with your friends about what they think you need to do in your life. It doesn't come by talking to your parents and massaging ideas around about what makes you successful. It's about surrendering your life to the Lordship of Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Listen, don't ever be what your parents dream them for you to be. Be what the Father in Heaven has called you to be. Parents, do not put a yoke on your children, your dreams and ambitions for them. Allow them to bloom the way God created them to bloom. Do not stunt their growth by making your dreams and your ambitions and your desires that were never fulfilled in your life and trying to live your life out of them. Allow them to live. Don't look back at how you failed, how you didn't, how you should have or you could have. Rest a hold of the present and move forward for the prize that God has called you to. That's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I consider all a loss. The only gain I have is knowing Christ and knowing Him personally. He's discovered His purpose, His value, His call, and His salvation from the one who called Him by name. Initially on that road to Damascus, the blinding light of Jesus blinded Him, and He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And we know the rest of the story. Paul ends up having a spiritual experience. His world is turned absolutely 
upside down because the light of Christ burned deeply into the person of who he was. The light of Christ must burn deeply into the person that we are. We must be blinded of our ambitions. We must be blinded of our passion. We have to have a renewed vision, a renewed heart, a renewed commitment, a commitment to one that's gone before us, a commitment to one who will never leave us behind, a commitment to one who has hung the sun and the moon and the stars and everything else in this universe in space, the one who cares for you, the one that enables us to get some flimsy box in the back of the sanctuary, go to Walmart or the dollar store and fill it up with goodies, the one who enables us to put those things together, wrap them up and send them to Boone, and then Boone sends them all across the world to tangibly, tangibly, tangibly impact a life, all because someone was willing, willing, willing and able to step aside and recognize, you know what, for the purposes of Christ, this is what should matter. Jesus always mattered to the Apostle Paul. It was everything. Christ was everything. There would never be an equation in Paul's idea that we would prioritize our lives and put Jesus as number one and put uh, our calling as number two or our family as number three or our job as number four. No, to Paul, there was one priority. The priority was Jesus. And if you and I would quit uh, getting caught up in one, two, three, and fours of our lives, and we would just focus on the number one, we would just surrender to the number one, then everything else, everything else in our, in our being and in our lives would fall in its proper place. When you and I put Christ at the center of who we are, we will be amazed at how everything ends up working out. You say, I can't afford to give to God because I'm in so much debt. I can't afford to give to God because of choices I've made. Surrender to God what is God's. Give yourself to God and be amazed at the wondrous works that he performs before your eyes. You'll realize that you'll be able to do far more than you ever asked or imagined. Why? Because you're making yourself available to him. The God who calls, the God who saves, and the God who's purposed you for this moment in time. Everything, everything pales in comparison to knowing Christ. And then concluding in following Jesus, it's not about us finding him. It's always about him finding us. He is the shepherd that goes on a journey and looks for the lost sheep. He is the one that leaves the 99 that are saved and goes after the one who's lost. That's how much he values lostness. We value the church. He values the lost. We value the saints. He values the sinners. We value the ones that are fulfilled. He values the broken. We value the ones that talk and look like we do. He values the one that we've never encountered. He values people because he never looks at people the way they are. God always sees people in their potential. And thank God for that. Because if you and I were defined by our lives, by our life situation, by our past, we would be doomed. But thank God Almighty, we're not defined by our past. We're defined by our intersection with Him. Jojo spoke this morning of testimony. Testimony. Testimony is not about the, 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 the stupid and nasty and dirty and horrific things that have happened to you. It's not about that you gloating in your sin or you gloating in your problems or your circumstance. 
Your testimony is always what God has done in the person of Jesus Christ. Your testimony is the beautiful story of God making a difference in your life, of reverting, reorganizing your passion, reorganizing your heart, transforming your mind, transforming your call, transforming your work, transforming your family, transforming your marriage, transforming you on the inside out, not from the outside in. It's the surpassing knowledge of knowing Him and making Him known and following Jesus. It's always about Jesus Christ finding us. Our value is not in what we do or in who we are. It is in Him, as Paul says, a righteousness that comes from God. It's a righteousness that comes from God. It's not about us doing the right thing. It's not about us having the right motives. It's not about us showing up and doing our part and getting... Oh, how wonderful you are. It's the righteousness of God extended through the person of Jesus Christ that impacts our hearts, our minds, our motivations, and everything in between. It's the surpassing knowledge of knowing Him. So then he concludes very humbly in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this. Not that I have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I want you to think about that image. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. When we were dead in our transgressions, when we were dead in the misery of our funk, when we were dead in our sins, when we were dead and labeled by the world, when we were lost without hope, it is God who reached down in the midst of our despair, our chaos, and the torment of our life, and He took hold of us. And once God's got a hold of you, He's not going to let go. Jesse read it today from Romans. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. How is Paul writing about this? Because it was Christ Jesus who took hold of him. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold hold of me and then he says brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do here's what we need to do forget what is behind just forget it forget what was behind I listen senior adults I get this story all the time from senior adults seasoned adults I have utmost respect for you but I get this this line this is a criticism I'm getting ready to criticize young people, too. Just hold on. Uh, senior adults will say to me, well, back in the 1960s and 70s, when this church was, had tremendous fortitude, and we were going places, and just amazing, the, the seats were filled. We had over 500 people. I taught in Sunday school. I taught the, the juniors, and I taught in the preschool department. I, I spent almost two decades of my life instructing our young people on how and, and to, to learn uh, the ways of the Lord. And I've seen amazing results. Many of them have gone off to college. They're successful. And now they've come back and they're in church today. Uh-huh, uh-huh, I hear that. Okay, back in the 1960s and early 1970s, that was before I was born, but go ahead. Uh, and then, uh, 
they say, uh, well, and, and so I, I, I have given, I have given my service to the Lord. He has enabled me to do great and mighty things. You know, they kind of go in that lingo. You know how people go into church lingo. Great. Some of you are nodding. You're one. Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. So you go in that lingo and you say, we've done great and mighty things. Um, here's the thing. The Apostle Paul. Uh, so I, be mad at Paul. Don't be mad at me. This is what Paul says. Forget what is behind. Who cares what you did? Who cares how good you were? Who cares how many people came to your teaching? Forget it. It doesn't matter. What matters is pressing on toward the goal that he has for us. God doesn't care what you did in your past for his glory. He also doesn't care what you did in your past against his glory. He cares about you. He cares about you. Notice cares. Cares in grammar is a present tense verb. He cares for you. He didn't care for you. He cared for you in past tense. He will care for you. He cares for you. Don't worry about what's behind you, either good or bad. It doesn't matter. Live in the moment. Live in the moment. You may have been great in the service of the king in your 30s and 40s. How are you living to advance God's kingdom in your 70s, 80s, 90s, and on? How are people going to remember you when you're in a box at the funeral home? How are people going to remember you when you lie in state in this place if you have it here? Well, he was a good guy. Oh, she was a fine lady. I remember back in 1954. Really? 1954? Dad dumb. No, I'll tell you what I want. I remember some 12 or 13 years ago, our youth, my wife was a minister of students at our church, which had its own interesting moments. She was a student minister at the church, and we had a fifth quarter, and she got a band. She told me, there's a band coming tonight. Wonderful. Let me tell you something. I had heart palpitations, because they came and did a concert. When I saw the lead guitarist jump from the baptismal onto the stage, I thought, oh, I am so dead. I am so dead, because I had seniors in the room. And, and here's the thing, here's the thing. I had a seat, listen, the music was so loud, corrosive, and it's, oh my heavens, my head was, I mean, I can put up with loud music, it was, it was just atrocious. And I had a gentleman that came back, his name's Ross Champion, he's still a pillar of that church today, Ross Champion met me in the back, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get an earful, and he says, Todd, he said, you know what, I can't stand that music, I hate that music, but I love these kids, and so for the sake for the sake of them seeing me love Christ and for me to demonstrate, I want them to know that I love them and I will support them in whatever they do, even if it runs contrary to every fiber of my being because I know that they could be in another place, in another space, and not in the confines of the church. That's the type of legacy I want seniors to leave impacting students though they are eons and decades apart Ross Champion impacted students lives 
in a tangible way because he showed up as an insignificant someone that, make no mistake, students noticed his devotion, his zeal, his passion, and he counted all loss for the sake of knowing Christ and making him known and to impact the world around him. That's the type of senior that we need. Young people, you have so much zeal zeal and passion, you have so much fervor, and you just want to change the world. You believe that you have the power to do anything and everything, and you believe that you deserve it all right now. You deserve nothing. You deserve nothing. No one deserves anything. The only thing, listen, the only thing that you and I deserve is hell. That's what we deserve. It's just a fact. That is what we deserve. Now, I know some of you are tweeting today and you're saying, I cannot believe he talked about hell. Hell is real. It is going to be full of people that are good intentioned. But it will not be full of people that have sold out everything for the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you prevent from going to hell? <laughs> Jesus finds you and takes hold of you. He impacts your life. He changes your heart. He changes your mind. And your life is transformed all because of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Him. If there's anything that I want to say to young people... Press on toward the goal. Paul is very quick, very, very quick to say, I have not arrived. If you are under the age of 50, I consider you a young person. Woohoo! That's applause from some. If you're under the age of 50, I want you to tell yourself this. I want you to say it out loud. I have not arrived. Go ahead and say it. Oh, say it again. I want to hear it. I have not arrived. I have not arrived. But guess what? Jesus has. It's finished. He's done it for you and for me. The most important thing in your world is not you. The most important thing in your world is not your BFF that you put on Facebook. Not, oh, she or he is my world. I can't live without her. I can't live without him. No, you can live without either of them. You can't live without Jesus. That's who matters. He turned the world upside down. He changes your life. I'm not talking about somebody affecting your hormones. I'm talking about somebody that radically transforms your heart. It's Jesus. And knowing him and making him known must become your life ambition. Why? Because you don't want to go to hell. That's the reality. Our value is not what we do. It's not in who we are. It is Him and making Him known. I did not consider myself, in verse 13, yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forget what is behind. Straining toward what is ahead, looking for what is around the corner, looking beyond the horizon to see how God is working in more amazing ways. I press 
on toward the goal to win the prize. Listen, you don't go on to lose. You don't press forward to lose. You don't press forward to come in second. You press forward to attain the prize that's in Christ. In this race and in this journey, it's not first, second, third, fourth place. When you cross the finish line, everybody gets the prize. But you have to cross the finish line. You have to forget what's behind you. Quit chasing rabbits here and there and yonder. Quit focusing on what you failed in before. Quit focusing on your success in the past. Look ahead to Christ who's leading, guiding, calling, 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 and saying, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will never be at rest. You and I will never have peace. We will never, ever be anything until we rest in the person of Jesus Christ, in the surpassing knowledge of knowing Him personally and making Him known to the glory of God. Will you pray with me? God, in these moments as we have shared in worship, as we have experienced truth and hope, as we've heard testimony of how a shoebox can change a life and change a family, as we've heard talk of our upcoming ministries for a feast of sharing and impacting our local people with food and clothing and the gospel, we pray, Lord, that you would be with us in this time of invitation that we would be sold out completely for you, that everything that we value, we would consider loss except for the surpassing knowledge of knowing you and making you known. Lord, would you fill us up this morning? God, may we leave this place not just charged, but may we leave fulfilled knowing who you are, knowing that we are yours and you are ours. I am yours and you are mine. May we rest in you. If our soul is not at rest, if our soul is uneasy, if our conscience is uneasy, if we're having anxiety and fear and worry and all these things that come with the journey of life, it ends when we let it all go, forgetting what is behind, straining to what is ahead. We press on toward the goal which you have created us and purposed us to fulfill. May we cross the finish line. May our legacy not be what we did 30 years ago. May our legacy begin today, what we're doing today for your kingdom. God, may you be advanced in our lives. May you impact others around us. And may we consider you the most important thing, period. And this invitation, as people respond, some of you will say today, I want to, I, I feel like that this is a place that God has pressed us onward and forward to be a part of. This is a church family for us. And you say today, I want to be a member of First Baptist Church. For others of you who say, you know what, I'm leaning into the gospel. I'm leaning into him. I feel convicted about things I've done. And today I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to give it all to him. I want him to give me a clean slate. I want him to separate my problems and my issues as far as the east as the west. I want just to bask in the person of Jesus Christ. I want to be loved by him. I want to be graciously approved by him. I want to live in his shadow. I want to be touched by the hem of his garment. I want to be changed. If that's your testimony today, won't you come?
I feel others of you who have been wrestling for some time about God's call. You're called to do something. You're called to do something more than where you are today. And you say today, you know, God, I, I feel you calling. I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I want to continue to pursue you. I want you to continue to speak, and I want to continue to listen. Help me to lean into you. Help me to forget my past success. Let me look forward and strain towards the future as I press on, I press on, I press on. That's your testimony today. We would love to know how God's working in your life. As he calls you to salvation, as he calls you to ministry, as he calls you and you fulfill your life purpose. How is God leading you? How is the Holy Spirit moving in this invitation? Won't you respond? Won't you commit? Lord, we offer this as our humble prayer as we seek your face. We offer our lives a living sacrifice to you. We empty everything that we are. We pour everything out of who we are just to know you and to make you known. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to make a decision, whatever that decision might be, won't you be faithful to come? Won't you be faithful to pray? Won't you be faithful to respond as we sing?